Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Masters edition of the Bacon Bets podcast. There you go, my little Jim Nance impression, because it is one of the greatest weeks of the year, Masters week. Not only that, but we have MLB opening day on Thursday. This episode of the podcast will be all Masters. Got a jam-packed episode, a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I did want to do an MLB Futures episode last week. Unfortunately, I didn't get in. Uh, I didn't have the time to. A little too busy with some with some life stuff. But I will try to tweet out some MLB Futures before opening day on Thursday. But like I said, this episode is all about the Masters. Going to start off with an interview with Brian Kirshner uh, on Twitter. If you're in the golf betting space at all, you probably follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter. Very good golf better. Very fun conversation I had with him. We just talked about the Masters. We talked about golfing together, all that good stuff. Uh, he's on Twitter at, at Brian Kirshner underscore. Uh, so that's going to be the first part of the podcast. The second part of the podcast, I'm going to do a deep dive uh, into my own Masters betting preview. Now, I have been writing articles from about Sunday afternoon. I spent all day today on Monday writing articles. So if you want to see the written versions of pretty much everything I'm going to talk about here on this episode, go over to BetSided. Like I said, I've been writing a ton of articles looking at the Masters from every single angle. But what I'm going to be talking about in this portion is keys to winning the Masters. I'm going to give you some tips for you people who are entering in Masters pools. I'm going to give out my best bets. I'm going to give dark horses, long shots, uh, bet to miss the cut, top 20, top 10, top 5, and my bets to win if you haven't seen them already. I'm also going to talk about a little uh, a little DFS, something I don't normally talk about on this podcast very much, Daily Fantasy. I have created what I believe is to be the perfect Masters Daily Fantasy lineup of all time. I'm going to win a million gazillion dollars with this lineup, so I'll break, uh, break that down a little bit. And then I'll finish off by talking about every golfer that I hadn't uh, mentioned previously so I'll go through I will say something at least something about basically the top 25 golfers on the odds board so you will have my take on basically everyone that you're going to look to bet on uh, or to uh, use in your in your in your master's pool and then going to finish off the episode I'm going to toss in the audio here 
with from my interview with Will Zalatoris. Uh, this did come out last week. I tweeted it out, so some of you have probably already watched the interview, listened to it, uh, but it was good enough. And uh, I mean, he talked about this year's Masters, so I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I was pumped to be able to get a chance to talk to him, so I'm going to toss in the audio of that 15-minute long interview at the end of the episode as well. Um, if you haven't um, <clears throat> seen it or if you want to watch the video version of that interview with Zalatoris, head over to the BetSided YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to it. Please subscribe to all BetSided social media. Please. Twitter, YouTube, if you're on TikTok, all that good stuff. That would help me out quite a bit. Um, also... Uh, because of the popular demand of the match play pool that I did a couple weeks ago, I have talked to my bosses at Betside, and now we are going to be doing a weekly golf pool for the rest of the golf season, starting with the Masters. Um, and the biggest benefit, this pool is going to be free to enter. It hasn't been released as of recording this podcast. It's going to get sent out on social media Tuesday, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, it'll be out. Free to enter. It'll be run on run. It'll be hosted on runyourpool.com. I think is the website. The only thing you need to do to enter is to enter in your email address, and then in order to be eligible for the prize, uh, you need to be following BetSided on Twitter. It is truly that easy. So as the match play one, you had to pay ten bucks to enter. Now it is free to enter, and uh, the prize for each week is during majors. It is a two hundred and fifty dollar gift card of your choice. During non-majors, it is a fifty dollar gift card of your choice. You pick five golfers. The person who picks the five golfers that have the lowest combined score uh, wins. Like I said, free to enter, and it's $250 this week. And for the other three majors this season, goes to first place. All the non-major tournaments, we're doing a pool for that as well. $50 gift card of your choice. Um, Actually, I don't think it's of your choice. I think it's a Visa gift card. $50 Visa gift card, which is even better. You can spend it on basically anything. Uh, so check that out. Look at my social media. Look at BetSide on social media uh, for that coming out this week. Like I said, it's free to join. Why would you not do it? It takes you 10 seconds to enter in uh, to enter in a lineup when you select five golfers. That's it. Easy as that. So there you go. Jam-packed show. Like I said today, Masters. So excited. So excited. So excited. I have been studying this tournament from every angle. Literally from about noon on Sunday until now when I'm recording this podcast, basically the only thing I've been doing is reading about the Masters. I also have the National Championship game on in the background while I'm recording here. UNC's up 40-25 to 25 at halftime. As long as it ends that way, myself and Brian are going to look like geniuses in this interview, which was recorded before the game started. So, no more wasting time. Like I said, we're going to start with the interview with Brian, then I'm going to come on by myself and give out my personal in-depth breakdown of the Masters, and then finish finish off with my interview with Will Zalator. So let's get into it. The Masters edition of the Bacon Bets podcast. Let's go. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Hello, I'm here with Brian Kirshner at Brian Kirshner underscore at the end on 
I looked it up. It's some old dude from North Carolina who stole and just at Brian Kirshner. How much do you hate that guy? You know, I, I kind of have some beef with that guy. He's definitely not utilizing Twitter as well as I am. But, you know, I think the the underscore adds a little flavor to uh, to my name. And people always point it out. I think it's like a pretty pretty average thing to, to have at the end of your, uh, your username. You didn't want to go with a number? No, I think I think the number looks worse than just a, a nice underscore, like just a nice plain underscore. Uh, works pretty well in there, I feel. All right, I like it. Of course, the host of uh, your own podcast, the Tap In Birdie Podcast, uh, which is Tuesday nights, I believe. Is it Tuesday night again this week for the Masters? Yes, Tuesday night at 7. Uh, a big podcast. I would assume it would be uh, heavily listened to. You know, this is the event that uh, all the casual golf bettors come out of the woodwork and uh, want to know your master's lock. So uh, it's always important to have some good picks this week. Of course. So you can listen to this Tuesday morning and then Tuesday night. Uh, tune in to uh, Tap and Birdie. Thank you for joining me, Brian. Wanted to have you on uh, for, I think it was the players, I think, uh, but you are on vacation somewhere down south, living it up. So I figured I'd, I'd give you a break. I figured I'd have you back on for the Masters. Thanks for joining me. Um, are you partnered with Bets Betsperts now? What what's what's going on? Yeah, there? yeah. So they they sponsor the pod. Do an article for them every week. Uh, they they treat me well. Um, so yeah, they're the little brand partnership. Uh, with Tap and Birdie, you know, I, I don't love uh, a million ads on the pods, but it, it's very uh, organic. I just su- use some of their their tools on uh, their website and some of their ownership, but nothing crazy, no 20-minute ad reads. Good stuff. I love it. Master's week, obviously, as we mentioned. Uh, I need to know right off the bat, uh, Brian, how are you betting on Louis Ustays on this week? So I'm so done with Louis Oosthuizen. He's just caused me so much heartbreak and so much agony that I just can't go back to him. And and I think that if he was someone that recently he was like actually like cashing top twenties, he can't even do that. You know, he he's you know going into the final round T eight and then shoots five over par like consistently, and it's just like there's no money to be made there. So maybe in showdown on DraftKings for the first three days or round matchups is the only way I would bet him because he's just gonna blow it all on Sunday. So what what is the story with you and Louis? Is it were, were you on him last year and on all the majors when he kept finishing second? Is is that kind of the history between you and him? Basically, yes. Um, I bet him at the PGA Championship. That's when it started at like 60 to 1. And that was really the only guy I had going. So I just kind of fell in love with him. And I think that he's a lovable loser. Like, I know you like Xander Shoffley. <laughs> like, no one's like, yes. oh my God, like, I love John Rahm or like Dustin Johnson. Right. Like, that's not fun. They win every single right. week. It's more enjoyable to be a fan of golfers that never win and, and cause your heartbreak because it's good for content. Yeah, I'm unfortunately back on Xander this week. It's become my yearly tradition to bet on uh, Xander at the Masters and for him to break my heart because my concern is the first time I don't bet on Xander at the Masters is the time that he's going to win. Do you have any concern about that with uh, your boy Louis Ustase? And what if you don't bet on him and he goes and wins this weekend? Like, I think... I would be a little cause for concern, but I literally don't think he has it in him to win. Like I legitimately do not like, there's just too many examples of him just gagging it on Sunday. Anytime he's in a position to win. And then the other thing about it is that, 
like I just if he wins a major, then I get to dunk on everybody that always shits on him and says that he can't win. So I would like to have some financial, you know, backing, but at the same time, everyone that always talks shit about him, I can, you know, kind of give an F you to and say, you know, he can win and he's a two time major champion, which is more than your favorite golfer, most likely. <laughs> um I was I was just looking at Louis Ussi's stats just as you were talking about him. I just brought him up because I wanted to see kind of how he's been doing so far this year. Generally not great. Uh, interesting thing I just saw, though, is that he's fourth on tour in early scoring average, 136th in late scoring average, <laughs> over two strokes better when he golfs in the morning as opposed to golfing later in the day. That seems weird to me. Yeah, that is that's very interesting. Um, you know, I think Louis someone that you know always kind of target for a first round leader bet because, like yeah. we said, he can't win. So I think if he has an early tee time at this Masters, you know, no pressure, kind of the spotlights off him. I think he could go out and shoot a a sixty five and hopefully have a sweat for a first round leader. I think to to kind of defend uh, Louis and then and then we'll move on from him here. I don't want him to cause too much heartbreak for you, but I, I do feel like he's kind of more built for majors because he's not necessarily a birdie machine. Yeah. Uh, but these tough courses, he can kind of you know scramble and save power. So kind of like normal events, he doesn't do so well in. But uh, I mean, if Augusta plays tough, maybe maybe he can he can be in contention this week. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, always like Louis at the majors. Uh, that's obviously where he's excelled. And I think that's like what you talked about. Like he's not someone that's going to go out and shoot minus 25, but you know, he's someone that just hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens, can save par, make those five footers for par. And that's why he had such a great major year last year. Now, Brian, my first ever round of golf that I played in the United States of America was with, was with you, if you recall. Yes. Um, and I believe we were on a team. Is that correct? That is that is true. We were we were teamed up, and we we did not perform well. It was it was a rough it was a rough showing for both of us. Um, we were playing against a guy who follows me on Twitter, who I think, if memory serves, is correct. His name was also Brian. Yes, I, I believe so. Did you? Remember? Yeah, he I, he's messaged me a couple times, but like on Twitter, like his name is just like NFL Commission. He just has like a random photo, so like. Sometimes I forget that that's the guy that I've called with, but shout out Brian. I forget his friend's name. Um, but yeah, that was my first ever round in the United States. I played with you. I feel like that was in the fall. This summer, my friend, I'm officially putting this out right now on the on the Bacon Bets podcast. I challenge you to a match. Love it. I absolutely love it. I think that'll be great. And I, I don't think we have to, to give many, many strokes either way. I, I think we were, we're pretty uh, evenly matched on the, uh, the golf course and it will be a, a match of the, uh, the Twitter personalities. I, I agree. I think we can just play it straight up. I think you are a little bit better than me, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to just play it straight up match play, take some video Maybe put a little bit of money online, then we can iron that out later. But some point this summer, we're we're gonna have a match. Absolutely, I love it. And you know, I think you know maybe I have a little bit more talent, but you know, I know you love this narrative. Like maybe you're a little bit more motivated to win. You know, maybe that you want it <laughs> a little bit more than me. Um, I always love those 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 takes on Twitter, and I think that uh, that could come into to play this summer. 
literally the only thing that matters when betting on sports is motivation factor. And it's the only thing you should ever handicap when betting on sports that actually there's one other thing and that's the color of a team's jersey. So I need to make sure that I have a good outfit when we play against each other and that plus the motivation factor, I may as well be unbeatable. I I love it. I, I don't think you can lose. I think it's the same with, with uh, some people are saying, you know, North Carolina, they had their big win already. You know, they're not up for this game. It's like, yeah, I don't think they want to win the national championship. Right. <laughs> That's a take I have seen like several times on Twitter today. And it was part of the reason why I bet on UNC because I'm just like, fuck those guys with that stupid narrative of like, oh, yeah, they, they beat Duke. That was their national championship. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to be motivated in the actual national championship game uh, against Kansas. So uh, I might look stupid by the time people listen to this because the game will be over by the time this is out. But uh, I took UNC plus the points. Uh, almost a big reason of it was just to fade those people who uh, are whipping out the motivation factor on me. I can't stand it. Absolutely. I'm with you there. And I can't wait for, for people to listen to this in the morning and be like, wow, those guys are some sharp CBB betters. I mean, they were all <laughs> over North Carolina. Uh, what would you set the odds for a match between me and you? Match play, me and you on the golf course, what would you set the odds at? I mean, I think you need some some rounds in you, um, like kind of before we play to kind of get a gauge as to where your game's at, um, at the moment. Um, but I, well, I did play this past weekend. It was tough. It was tough. You gotta get, you're it too busy. Like you're too busy. Like you need to like focus less on your job and start hitting the range, start working on your putting, start working on your chipping and, you know, get, get some rounds in you. You're working way too hard in my opinion. <laughs> my chipping is by far my downfall. It's in my short game in general is is not good, but it's 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 almost impossible to practice golf living in New York City. That's why I'm I'm trying to convince my girlfriend to move somewhere else where I can either golf twelve months a year or at least like get out to a course. I golfed this past weekend. I had to take like an hour long train out to Jersey to play. Yeah, it it living in the city. Is tough for golf, 100%. I'm glad I live right out in Long Island and I have Beth Page five minutes away from my house. So, yeah, what we'll do is um, you'll you'll come in on like a Friday night or something. You can stay in my guest room. We'll wake up early and we'll go play Beth Page. Not a congested course. Not like what we played last time. Wide open fairways. Great green. So we'll, we'll play Beth Page. We'll, we'll play the real deal. Done. I love it. Very excited for that. Um, I will say, um, hand up, because when we were playing uh, last summer, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up, you mentioned, um, and this is, of course, the talk of uh, golf betting Twitter, uh, you mentioned that you were going to get Paige Spranick on your podcast. And hand up, I laughed and said, yeah, right. Um, and then sure enough, a few weeks ago, you had the legendary Paige Spranick on your podcast. So right now, talking to you, for the first time since that golf round, at least, uh, you know, in not counting, you know, tweeting back and forth, hand up. I was wrong. Congratulations on getting the most followed person in the golf world on social media on your podcast. 
Yeah, you know what? You actually all did laugh at me. I, I vividly I remember everyone laughing at me, and I even made a crack about how we were dating. Those got some laughs too. And then on the pod, I mean, she was super flirty with me. She's no, I think I actually said she was into <laughs> me, and all of you laughed at me. I think it's clear after she came on my podcast that she is, in fact, into me. <laughs> and I think we have a little bit of a, a future going. Uh, between us. So, look, uh, me and Paige, you know, I'm in it for the long haul, playing hard to get, and uh, I think I think one day we'll be together. Listen, Brian, I have just put up my hand and I said I was wrong about you getting her on, 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 on your podcast. I can't side with you about having a chance with arguably one of the most attractive women in North America right now. Okay. I mean, sure, that's fine. But, you know, I think you got to have some some high goals, you know, reach for the stars. So if you fall, you land on the clouds, as they say. <laughs> I love it. Hey, and you know what? Fair enough. I was wrong about her coming on her podcast. So, hey, if I'm wrong about that, maybe you two will be dating soon enough. I may, Maybe I'll be wrong twice about it. So um, I'm going to try not to let your ego get too big about it, though. Um, but obviously, congratulations, my friend. That, that was big. Um, I did watch it. Good chemistry, I will admit that. Is a fun <laughs> listen. Uh, so for anyone who's listening to this and has, hasn't watched it, go back and watch it because I can guarantee you Paige Brannick will never be on uh, the Bacon Bets podcast. So congratulations uh, for that. But enough about feeding your ego, Brian. Let, let's, get, let's get back to the Masters here because that's, that's what we're talking about. That's what, that's what this week is all about. First things first, how are you handling Tiger Woods? It looks like Tiger Woods is going to be playing by all accounts. Are you going to be betting on him? Are you going to be fading on fading him? Are you just going to stay away from Tiger Woods in general? How are you going to treat Tiger Woods this week? So if you asked me two weeks ago, like if Tiger Woods were to play the Masters, like how would you go about it? I would hundo be like, fade him, bet him to miss the cut. Like he's not going to do anything. I, these videos that are coming out of him look unbelievable and all of the reporting from the course is basically that he's hitting like 170 ball speed he looks great his chipping is awesome he's driving it well he's hitting his irons well i have done a complete 180 on this i think if you bet him to miss the cut you're a fool and i think that if you're fading him just for content wise it is not the move at all. I don't think I can get there and actively betting on him because the thing about Tiger Woods is that the books' hands are really tied. In no world right. should he be 40 to 1 to win this event. But the fact that every single casual better will bet him because it's Tiger Woods and they love him, their hands are tied. They have to put him at a bad price. So we talk about value a lot in golf betting. There is absolutely no value on Tiger Woods betting him to win to top 20 in anything because the books' hands are tied. So I'm going to be rooting for him. I will not be fading him at all. I think he looks too good and the reports coming out at Augusta or that he looks great. And I think he's going to play well. And I think he will finish T36. That is my official prediction. Official Tiger Woods prediction T36. I agree with every single thing that you just said. Um, I'm not going to bet on him. I think the value has gone a few weeks ago. I would have said bet on him to miss the cut. If he does play, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, And back in 2019, there is video evidence of me uh, telling people to, not waste your money betting on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. It's a terrible bet. It's a waste of money. He's never going to win. Uh, and then obviously he went on to win. So I'm officially retired from fading Tiger Woods or advising people to fade Tiger Woods. 
Uh, so I'm just going to stay away. I'm going to bet. I'm not going to bet on him. Not going to bet against him. Just going to enjoy watching Tiger Woods uh, if he does play. Which I mean, he's going to play at this point, right? Absolutely, 100. percent Like, there's no way he does not tee it up. What What did you say your official prediction was? T36. I think he will make the cut. I think the injuries might make him fade a little bit on the weekend. I'm going to go a little lower on the leaderboard than you. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say T44. T44. Love it. Um, speaking of missing the cut, though, give me a name to miss the cut. Who do you think? At least someone who's somewhat recognizable. Don't tell me like uh, Sandy Lyle or someone. Or is, yeah. is, there, is there a guy recognizable you think might miss the cut this week? I'm going to have to go Daniel Berger to miss the Ooh. cut this week. Look, Daniel Berger's a very talented golfer, but his track record at Augusta is not anything special. And he's actually progressively gotten worse every single time he's played it. I think he was low amateur in his first try and just has not been able to perform at Augusta. And obviously, as you know, Augusta is a place where you need a lot of experience. And it's a place where golfers have continuously contended and played well the same golfers every single year jordan spieth dustin johnson tiger woods you know these are guys that have always played well there and i think Berger's the complete opposite of that so a, a nice value play maybe a guy that you know he's popular and you know people might look at his approach play i'm gonna go with daniel Berger to miss the cut that is someone that i do not see having a, a great week Daniel Berger is my guy, so I'm a little bit offended that you said his name, but he did miss the cut here last year. Yes, and he's someone that, again, is very talented, but there just is something about Augusta that doesn't bode well for him. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I I, I hope that wasn't one of your outright selections. But, uh, yeah, Yeah. just kind of someone I'm not super high on for the week. The name I gave out uh, earlier today to miss the cut, Webb Simpson. He's only played like four tournaments in like 2022 calendar year, and he's not played well in any of them. Uh, missed the cut of the players, and I think his best finish after that is like T35 or something like that. So uh, my name to miss the cut is Webb Simpson. But the issue with him is that he's historically kind of played well at Augusta. Um, I don't know why he hasn't played very much this year, though. Is he hurt? Is Webb Simpson hurt? Yeah, I think he has a little bit of uh, some injury concerns. Um, he's definitely had a few withdrawals earlier in the uh, in the season, and I think he, you know, he, he's he's a little bit older, and I think he has some some neck issues. So, I think with Webb and a lot of guys this week, like Bryson and Decky and Paul Casey, there's a lot of injury concerns um, about these people, and. You know, the thing about, you know, golf betting is that they could tee it up and then withdraw, withdraw and then if you bet them to miss the cut, you know, it, it cashes. So I think that there's some value to be had um, actually on betting some of these these guys with injury concerns to miss the cut or, or fade them in matchups because they could easily withdraw. We saw it with Paul Casey two weeks ago. We saw it with Decky last week. You know, Bryson, I don't think he'll withdraw necessarily, but he has definitely had some injury concerns. So. I think it's a, a definitely an interesting uh, perspective and and how to go about your master's betting. Now, opposite end of the spectrum, give me a dark horse bet, maybe not to win. I won't put you on the spot and say a dark horse guy to win, a long shot to win, but like give me someone a little bit off the odds board that you think is going to play well this week. Yeah, so 
I'm I'm currently looking at a FanDuel sports book, and he's currently fifty five to one to win. So you know he's not an uh, a super uh, elite talent or super short odds, but someone that I like and I'm definitely going to be targeting heavily in the top twenty market is going to be Shane Lowry. Um, look, he Ooh. is playing some absolutely excellent golf. Right now, he had a really good Florida swing. Second at Honda, he gained 6.8 on approach. 13th at the players, 3.9 on approach. 12th at the Valspar, 4.5 on approach. Gaining in all facets of the game. And what we've seen with these winners at Augusta is that they are coming in with some really hot form. They are coming in with great approach numbers and Shane Lowry fits those boxes. So I think for a top 20, you could get a, about a plus 150 on that. I really like that bet. And I really like a top 10 on him about plus 250, I would say about or so. So he's someone that's a, a little bit of a longer shot that I like to, uh, to contend this week, not necessarily win, but I, I think he's due for a high finish. And a guy obviously who has the experience uh, knows how to win a major uh, yep. champion golfer of the year there a couple of weeks back. So I uh, got to like that as well. Cause obviously we see year after year guys who aren't used to winning these championships uh, kind of long shot kind of guys get there, get kind of an opportunity and contention on Sunday and the pressure just kind of gets to them. Actually used to, that happened to Shane Lowry a couple times before he won, but kind of got that monkey off his back. I think it was the U S open uh, like five or six years ago. I think he had the, the lead after uh, heading into Sunday and kind of collapsed. But he got over that. Certainly didn't do do that in the open. So, uh, yeah, he's been playing good golf recently. Uh, not a guy I'm targeting, uh, but I, I, I don't hate that bet at all. Um, do you remember, Brian, your first ever outright bet that you hit in your golf betting career? Yeah, it was uh, – okay, no, Ian, this is like – I always say this. Like, I legitimately owe you because – I got into golf betting because of Daniel Berger at Colonial. Like I remember watching yes. your video that you put out and obviously it was like the pandemic. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on. So I was like, yeah, I'll bet Daniel Berger top 20 at like plus 400. He went on to win. I wasn't on that. I know you bet it live, but that kind of got me into it. And then just, so I want to thank you uh, for that. But the first outright bet I hit was Harris English um, at the Travelers at 45 to 1. So that was what really got me going in the industry. And then this year, I've, I had a good start to the season. Obviously, as you know, it's extremely hard to hit outright bets. So I hit Cam Smith at uh, TOC, and then I hit Tom Hoagie at Pebble, and then uh, Scotty at Wayson. I'm, I'm hoping to get another one uh, this week, hopefully. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very tough to, uh, to do and pull off. Yeah, I've only had one outright winner in 2022, uh, Hideki at the Sony. Um, I've had a lot of guys come close, though. Uh, Kisner, even just a couple weeks ago at WGC, I am 66-1, to one, uh, finished second. Um, I am So Daniel Berger was one of the first bets you ever hit, if not the first bet you ever hit in golf. Um, and now you're going to do him wrong and take him to, to miss the cut this week? Look, you play Daniel, Daniel Berger. You play Daniel Berger at his courses. You play him in yeah. weak fields. Look, Daniel Berger kind of gets it done in weak fields. That's kind of his vibe. Masters, you know, it's it's pretty good field, I would say. So no beef to D-Bergs, like DB straight vibing. Like he's a vibey guy. Like I, I appreciate him, but going to have to go with a little bit of a fade this week. 
Yeah, I do remember that burger bet the first tournament um, after the the pandemic break. Uh, so I always have a soft spot for Daniel Berger because of that. I remember he went to a playoff with Colin Morikawa, and Morikawa missed like a three or four footer uh, to to lose in the playoff. Uh, I will always remember that tournament very vividly. Uh, are you a prop guy at all? Do you bet any props like uh, hit a hole in one, over under winning score, odds for things to get like for the tournament to go to the playoff? Do you ever dabble in the prop world? No, th- those are always tough. I, I- I'm never going to bet over under winning score because there's so many variables that-, that come into play there with, you know, the weather and if someone just has a really hot week. And then to hit a hole in one prop, it- that's like betting like the coin flip, uh, the coin toss at the Super Bowl. Right. Like it's just yeah. y- there's no sort of analysis or stats you can look at that will actually predict if someone will hit a hole in one. It's just something that it's, it's very hard to, to figure out. So that, that's, a, I, I'm really like an outright top 10, top 20. I'm not even a huge matchup guy. I think matchups are tough in a sense that, you know, you could have the perfect read on a guy, but the guy you, you decide to fade goes out and finishes top five. So it's hard enough to predict how one golfer is going to play. I think it's even a little bit more tough to, to then, you know, have to figure out two and have to target a matchup in that sense. Do you dabble in two ball, three ball bets at all round by round betting? Ian, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm just like not good at it. And like, I know you are. And it's just like, I think, you know, advice to to all betters is that you stick to what you're good at and like trying Mm. to do a million different things that, you know, like the match play, for example, like I like the first few days, like bet heavily um on matchups and I, I didn't do well and then I'm like well I don't really do this normally because there's so much variance round to round and it's just it's just tough and you know also on the weekends you know um you know having a couple beers so you know when matchups comes out at nine o'clock at night and I'm a few beers in that's not a recipe for for picking winners always so I like to stick to what I'm good at top 20 bets top 10 bets and uh you know some some outrights Three balls are tricky because, like, I mean, like you said, there's so much variance in just single round by round betting. I mean, that's why tournaments are, are kind of uh, four rounds long. That's the match play tournament is is the tournament I win the most money at year after year because match play itself is always a little bit different. But I think I like to bet on underdogs because I don't think a lot of people, unless you're betting two balls and three balls all the time, you don't realize the amount of variance in these matchup just one round 18 holes uh how much variance are are, are in those because there's there's bad golfers can beat good golfers on a pretty regular basis when it's just one round uh that's why these tournaments are four rounds and that's why at, through four rounds the better golfer usually comes out on top but uh one round at a time it's uh, a lot of variance in those yeah no um, and, and i know go ahead um, and I think another thing is, is that like what's obvious and makes sense. It's usually the opposite. Like usually you're like, oh, this guy played really well yesterday, and this guy played shitty. Like I'm gonna take that. Like I'm gonna guy take the guy who played well, and then usually it goes in the opposite direction, and that's an uncomfy feeling betting something like that. So it, it's just tough the round to round matchups. It just it's not something I, I'm great at. So it's not something I'm gonna invest a lot of my money in. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do is I, if I make three ball bets on Thursdays and 
like the guys who lose will then have longer odds the next day. I'll just bet them again. Uh, yeah, they lost Thursday. Friday is a brand new round. Sometimes, uh, you know, how someone's playing carries over, but a lot of times it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, good point about that. Now you are though, you're, you are a DFS guy though. Uh, if I'm correct, you do like the, the daily fantasy sports for golf, which I'm just starting to dabble in yep. this season a little bit. Um, have you looked, have you set your DFS lineup for the masters yet? Is there, are there any cheap options? I guess this is similar to asking about any dark horse bets, but are there any sneaky DFS plays you think this week? So in DraftKings, uh, what, what do you like to do? So do you like to do single entries or do you like to make multiple lineups or do you like, this is my one lineup and I'm playing in multiple contests. Like what do you like to do in DFS? So since I'm just dabbling and I've never had a lot of success in DFS and maybe this is why. I make one entry and I put it into a single entry contract contest. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, those like I used to kind of do that. And I always, every single week, $200 single entry, $100 single entry. And like, it's just very tough because you can have your eyes set on these guys and you think it's the nuts and you think it's like such a good lineup. And then it just like, it's not always like, it doesn't always work out that way. That's why I always recommend like, the 20 like never enter like three lineups into the 150 maxes because there are people in the industry that they have optimizers and they can make 150 lineups obviously you can make 150 lineups it's very tough to do so i like the three entry maxes i think are good and then like three different lineups about like how you think three different like tournaments could play out like you have your single entry that you like like your gut feel one and then you take a lot of you know you just take the best approach players or you take the best drivers of the ball or the best short game because if the tournament plays out in a different way then you have a lot of outs and a lot of ways to to make money and when you're making you know 20 lineups you know one or two of them is bound to be good and that's all you need to you know break even and and make money um, on the week. So that's just some, some general DFS strategy. Um, but some of the lower price guys that I like this week, um, you know, the, the pricing is a little bit soft, so you don't have to, to go all the way down here, but I kind of like Brian Harmon at $6,800. He's a guy that, you know, finished very well at the Masters last year. And, you know, lefties have shown to um, to play really well at the Masters, and they've always succeeded. He's a lefty, so he had a 12th place finish here last year. Was playing a little bit better golf, but I think it's 6,800. I think he has enough upside to, to make that price up for you. And then at $7,100, I like Siwoo Kim. You know, Siwoo's not a guy that, I play a lot and I think he'll be pretty popular because he's very cheap, but 13th just last week at the Valero. He's on a crazy made cut streak. He hasn't made, missed a cut um, since October and last year's Matt, he's made his last four cuts at the master. So I really like that 24th, 21st, 34th and a 12th place finish. And he played half a round with he broke his putter mid round and then he had to putt with his three wood and he still finished 12th. I think given his recent form and the fact that he'll have a full putter for uh, all four rounds, I think he, he has a, a pretty good chance at a 7,100 in your lineups. Yeah, I lied. I 100% agree with you. I, so I, I have made my DFS lineup for this week. The one, my one single entry, by the way, uh, I go very cheap with DFS because I strictly do it for fun. I don't expect to win money because generally I suck at it. 
my I, I do like it's like a thirteen dollar like twelve dollar single entry. Um, but I have I have Siwoo Kim in my lineup, so uh, I like that. I like Brian Harmon. Lefties always do well. A lot of dog leg left, so the lefties. Uh, by the way, I'm a lefty, so respect to Brian Harmon. Um, easier to hit a fade. Of the 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 righty's got to hit draws. Always harder to hit a draw than a fade. So that's kind of why the lefties have an advantage here. Trivia question, Brian. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, the lefties that have won the Masters dating back to 2000. Obviously, Bubba Watson a couple times. Phil Mickelson a, a few times. Uh, who's the lefty not named Bubba Watson or Phil Mickelson who's won the Masters in the past 20 years? Okay. Um, I'm not going to look it up. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that no to cheating. you. Um, okay. Um, I can give you a hint. Okay, give me a hint. But not too easy of a hint. Me and him have two things in common. One is that me and him are both like Oh, Mike Weir? Thing in common. <laughs> yeah. Mike Weir, man. Canadian, the only Canadian to ever win a major. Uh, my first memory of watching a golf tournament. Yeah, he's a lefty. Uh, Mickelson, Bubba Watson, and Mike Weir back, what, 2004? Uh, I believe was the year he won. Uh, also a lefty. So, yeah. My point is lefties do well uh, at Augusta National. And then Brian Harmon, 12th place last year. So, I like that Brian Harmon pick quite a bit. And Bobby um, Mack, cool. another lefty that's played Bobby well Mack. at Augusta. So just ride yeah. left. Maybe get a lefties lineup going this week with Harmon and uh, Harmon and uh, Bobby Mack. So what are, are there enough lefties doing all lefties? No, cannot have an all lefty. There's lineup. four. <laughs> There's four, uh, and then just you know whatever you have left, pick the uh, the best the best. Uh, the best golfers out there that you, you could fit in. I wonder if there is a lefty I'm not thinking of right now. Bubba, Brian Harmon, Mike Weir is, I think, playing, of course. No, cannot, you cannot You cannot put him. Toss in. Mike Weir in the lineup. <laughs> I'm looking um, at the odds right now. He, he's like 1,000 to 1 to win. Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's some one. good value there, low-key. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, you're right. Do not put Mike Weir in your DFS lineup. Not a good call. Um, two more questions here, uh, and then I'll let you go. I'm interested your thoughts on Rory McIlroy this year, uh, at the masters. He is a guy who obviously is the only guy who can complete the career grand slam with a masters win is playing well, but like for the past number of years now, like we still have, we're still just not seeing the Rory McIlroy of old. He's kind of been candid about it. He says that he like golf isn't his number one concern anymore. He cares more about spending time with his family um is he worth a bet can he complete the grand uh, the career grand slam and maybe he is a good play because he's kind of flying under the radar there's going to be not much pressure on him uh this year and i'm looking at him right now 20 to 1 so he's like 10th on the odds list right now to win so they have a shot at all what are your general thoughts about rory malcover hitting this week? i think it's so easy to just say he can't win a masters he would have done it by now but at the same time, like he's one of the greatest golfers of the last 20 years. And at a certain point, he's got to be able to, to figure it, it out. Um, you know, I think that he's been, like you said, very open about his, you know, kind of struggles in major championships uh, since he went on that run when he, when he first came out on tour. And, you know, he's someone that's very introspective and he's very open about his emotions. And, you know, he just kind of preps for, you know, these majors a little bit differently. And it, it really hasn't been working. Now, 
My advice to anybody this week would to be pick your favorite two golfers under 25 to one and bet them to win because I think the winner's going to come from below 25 to one. If Rory's one of your guys at tw- uh, he's 21 to, I don't know what you use, but on FanDuel right now, he's 21 to one. Look, I think it's a good bet. And I think that, you know, maybe off a miscut, like it, it might help him in a sense, maybe tiger playing the spotlights off him, but he's got to get it done. Eventually. I think it's too easy to say he would have done it by now. Yeah. And I, I think you're right about, the go the winner probably coming from under twenty five to one. I mean, there hasn't been a real long shot to win the Masters since back in was it? I don't know Charles Schwartzel was probably there was a stretch in like the late like two thousands where there was like three hundred to one winners in a row. I think Zach Johnson and two other guys in a row. But then since then, it's mostly been guys near the top of the odds list. Uh, I think Patrick Reed was like fifty to one, but. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough to not see the winner coming out of that kind of top group of guys. So uh, yeah, I don't and there's that just strategy at all. there's just so much talent there. Like, like there's just so much like Rory Brooks, Smith, DJ, Scotty, Justin, Cam Smith, Ron. Like, I just I don't really see a world in which like one of them doesn't win. And you know, I know Decky was about thirty five to one last year, but I don't like. In that range, I'm looking at, like, I just don't see any of them doing it. Like, it it just, it's tough. Like, I I just think the best strategy, and you can't really go wrong, and there's no bad numbers, you know? So, like, if you just want to say, I'm going to bet Rory and John Rahm to win, or Cam Smith and Brooks, or JT and Spieth, like, you're just, you're most likely going to have a guy in the mix come Sunday, and, you know, that's what it's all about. And, you know, hopefully maybe a hedge opportunity, you know, can come into play. But I just think you pick two guys under 25 to one that you feel confident in. And uh, you hope one of them uh, can put on the green jacket come Sunday. So my two picks in that range. So I have three outright picks. I got Justin Thomas, um, 14 to one. I got him at Xander Shoffley, 25 to one. Uh, one golfer who is a little bit outside that range, who I think is actually a great value bet is Matt Fitzpatrick, 50 to one. Uh, first on the tour right now in total strokes gained. Now, I know he hasn't won a North American soil yet. That's kind of going against him a little bit. Um, but like I said, if you, if you believe in strokes gained, he's literally leading the PGA Tour heading in this week. Uh, he's at, available at 50 to 1, uh, which leads me, Brian, to my final question here for you. Um, obviously, I know tomorrow or on Tuesday night, um, when you're doing your tap and birdie podcast, you're gonna have a ton of picks. I don't want you to ruin too many of those picks. No, I don't care at all. That. It doesn't. It doesn't but, matter. <laughs> okay, then, well then, give me your winner. Give me your. Give me. We're gonna talk. Finish off with this. Who is going to win the 2022 Masters? So I said, like I can, I said this in December. I in December I bet Cam Smith to win the Masters at 37 to Ooh. one. So like. I, I, I'm not going to like be like, oh, he is less likely to win now because he won twice. Like, no, if anything, he should be more likely to it. So I'm sticking with my guns. I'm sticking with my prediction from December. I'm going to say that Cam Smith will win the 2022 Masters, and he will go back-to-back winning the players and the Masters in his last two starts and you know be on one of the most insane runs uh, in recent memory. So I'm going to go with Cam Smith because I've been saying it for a long time. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to you one of my biggest pet peeves, which is the "Are you concerned?" question, which I get all the time when I put out a pick on Twitter. Someone's all always says, "Are you concerned about this? Are you concerned about that?" 
Are you concerned Cam Smith hasn't played since the players? Like, no. Like, most people haven't – like, most people didn't play last week. He didn't play the match play, whatever. Um, And he's a guy – like, he literally said that the week he won the players, like, he was more focused on, like, hanging out with his family that he hasn't seen in two years. And then he goes out and wins the players. It's just like, I mean, what? Like, that is just pretty wild to say. So, you know, a, a little bit of a, I, I think it's more the fact that, like, most people don't go from, like, winning, like, one of the biggest events and then go winning the Masters. But right. I, I could just see him just getting extremely hot again and just making every putt down the stretch. And, and hopefully it would be a, a nice payday for myself. Uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, other than the fact he hasn't played since the players, there's no knock on Cam Smith. Obviously, one of the best uh, golfers on tour in basically every single uh, statistical category. So I'm not backing Cam Smith, but I have no argument against it. Uh, well, thank you, Brian, for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, follow him on Twitter at Brian Kirshner and then an underscore. Not just Brian Kirshner, because that will be uh, an old man from North Carolina. Uh, so toss in the underscore at the end. Tune in to the Tap In Birdie podcast on Tuesday nights. Um, thank you. I will say one more thing. I've already stroked your ego about the Paige Brannick thing, um, but I do get a question all the time, um, and I do want to give you credit for this. It's something that I have um, uh, really liked about you, is I get the question all the time from people who don't work in the sports media business, how to break into the business. And my, my answer is to just always just start doing it. Start creating content. Start a podcast. Start engaging with people on Twitter. Uh, and if I were to point to someone who is the picture perfect example of that, that is you. Um, you just started doing it, and now look at you. You're like a, a staple in, in the golf betting Twitter community. You've built a following. So um, to those who are listening who want to break into sports media, uh, whatever sport it is, whether it's golf, football, any any other sport, um, I, I would say look to you um, for an example of, of, of how to do a good job of doing it. Because if you start putting in the work, uh, taking times in the evening to do it, uh, it's going to start working out for you. So uh, hats off to you, my friend. That is now twice that I've stroked your ego on this podcast. You're welcome. I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the kind words. And I, I think that it is just very important to just be like yourself on Twitter, be nice to everybody. I have people like in my DMs, how do I like break into the industry? How do I grow my following? And then they're like arguing politics with random people. Like, don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Be nice to everybody. Like everyone's tweets, put out content. And my biggest thing is that like, as you know, like it's so hard to like consistently pick winners. Like you have to put out engaging content because you know, the winners will come and go. It's about your personality. It's about being fun. It's about being engaging. It's about being funny. It's about being nice to people. Um, And I think that uh, is very important versus picking winners because you know, any, anyone can do that. And it always comes and goes, as you know. Fantastic point. I give guys all the time, Ian, I'm 17 and three in my last 20 picks. Can I get a job? It's like, it's (laughs) (laughs) picking winners is near the bottom of the priority list uh, when when it comes to it. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that part as well. So once again, Brian, thank you very much for joining me. Best of luck uh, with your master's bets this week, my friend. Uh, Enjoy the event. It should be fun. Absolutely. Same to you. And uh, I'm looking forward to this summer when we uh, link up again and hit the links. Can't wait. 
All right, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Brian Kirshner. Listening back to it, uh, my audio was terrible for some reason. I don't know if my AirPods were connected instead of my microphone, um, but a uh, little learning lesson there on my end. But I am going to be doing a lot more interviews now as we get into the summer uh, and there's and we're less busy with sports. So uh, if there's someone that you want me to interview that you want to have on the show, let me know. Uh, and I'm going to try to get them on. So very excited for that. That's kind of how this show is going to move forward between now and the football season. And then when the football season comes around, the road to 272 bets will reset. I uh, can't believe we're already like, what, halfway to uh, the start of football season again? Unbelievable. Uh, but let's get into my own personal breakdown of the Masters here. A lot of the opinions I'm going to say I probably talked about during that uh, interview with Brian, but I'll dive into them a little bit deeper here. Um, starting with my five keys to winning the Masters. This is going to help you if you are entering in a pool, if you are placing your own bets, uh, if you don't want a tail, you want to do, you want, you kind of want to be pointed in the right direction for where you should do your research when you're doing your pool or doing or placing your bets. Um, I did a quick video of this that was tweeted out. Monday also wrote a little bit more of an in-depth article, but there's five key things that I think you should focus on when trying to bet on golfers to succeed at the Masters. Number one, strokes gained tee to green. Eight of the last ten golfers to win the Masters ranked inside the top ten in the stat that's called strokes gained tee to green heading into the tournament. If you don't know what it is, I'm not going to break down what the mathematical formula for strokes gained is. But it basically shows how good uh, golfers are compared to the rest of the field in everything from the tee box all the way up to the green. So basically everything except for putting. It does kind of seem like an overarching kind of general statistic, but I mean it really is. But what it really shows is that in order to succeed at the Masters, in order to win, you can't have any weak points whatsoever. You can't be a bad chipper. You can't be a good driver, but a bad iron player. You can't be a good iron player, but a bad driver. You have to be good everywhere from tee to green. Now, Will Zalatoris last year, who made his Masters debut, was 120-1 to to win. But if you followed this trend, you would have been close to cashing a 121 120 to 1 ticket because he ranked in the top 10 last year in strokes gained T to green. So, in K now, you can look this up, pjtourstats.com. Just go to strokes gained, just go to the stats section, go to strokes gained T to green, you'll see the full list. I'm going to list the top 10 guys in that stat though. So, if this trend continues, and like I said, eight of the last 10 winners have ranked in the top 10 heading into the week, these are the guys you want to target Zalatoris, Justin Thomas. Luke List, John Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick, Joaquin Neiman, Russell Henley, Daniel Berger, Keegan Bradley, but he's actually not in the field, so he doesn't count. Uh, and then Chris Kirk comes in at number 10 uh, in that stat this season. Key number two when picking a winner for the Masters is par 5 scoring. We all know Augusta National is a very hard course Um I mean, Dustin Johnson did he set the? I believe he set the record at 20 under par, but that was that was when the Masters was in, was in November due to the pandemic. Usually, we see something closer to what the winning score was last year, which was I believe 10 under par. In order to win the Masters, you have to be able to attack the par fives. 80% of Masters champions dating back to the year 2000 ranked inside the top 10 that week in par five scoring. Now, what I mean in that is they ranked in the top 10 
during the Masters, not ranking in the top 10 heading into the Masters, just during their winning weekend, they ranked in the top 10 in par 5 scoring. That goes to show that is a big recipe for winning the Masters and putting on the green jacket. So these are the 10 golfers on the PJ Tour and par 5 scoring heading into this week. Patrick Cantley, Cameron Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Seamus Power, Taylor Gooch, Terrell Hatton, Sergio Garcia. Those are the top 10 currently ranked and par 5 scoring. So, I think what a pretty decent basic strategy to do would be, would be to look at, to see which golfers rank in the top 10 in both those stats. I'm looking at right at, at it right now. Justin Thomas ranks in the top 10 in both those stats. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick rank, ranks in the top 10 in both those stats. And that's it. It's those two. Fitzpatrick and Justin Thomas. Hmm, Interesting. <laughs> now not to say obviously that they have to be in the top 10 in both these stats hitting into this week like for example John Rahm is surprisingly not in top 5 in par 5 scoring this season um, but I think that's if you're looking for a very basic general strategy I think that that's a good one to go with third key playing well on Saturday actually and this is something I did not know before but I dove into some studies and some analytics on this this year um, Masters winners actually perform better compared to the field on Saturday than they do on Sunday so the winner of the tournament gained over um, 3.62 strokes on the field on Saturday over the last 13 years but only gained 2.88 strokes on the f- uh, against the field on Sunday and according to GolfDigest.com, the winner has gained less than two strokes on the field on Sunday five times in the last 14 years. But only once in the last 14 years has the winner gained fewer than two strokes on the field on Saturday. So really, even though everyone's tuned in on Master Sunday, the day that kind of has a better determination of who wins is Saturday. We actually saw that last year with Hideki Matsuyama. He shot one over on Sunday. People forget. Matsuyama didn't have a great Sunday round. He shot one over. But he crushed it on Saturday. I forget what exactly what he shot, but he really made his mark on Saturday. So now this might not translate to Augusta, to be fair, but I did list the top 10 golfers on tour and round three scoring heading into this week. You got Shane Lowry, Patrick Cantlay, Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Daniel Berger, Jason Cockrack, Cameron Smith, and Kevin Streelman. There are two names, my friends, who rank in the top three or top ten in all three of those stats that I just listed. Justin Thomas and Matt Fitzpatrick. And then the last two ones are kind of uh, obvious ones that you probably already know. You need to have good experience at the Masters. Will Zalatoris last year coming second in his Masters debut is a major exception to the rule. Historically, guys making their Masters debut have struggled at Augusta. But Will Zalatoris was an exception to that rule. But he was not an exception to the rule of top 10 in strokes gained T to green, which I talked about earlier. He was in the top 10 heading into the Masters last week. And then the last one is finally recent form. For the most part, um, I'll actually bring this other thing up as well. Um, actually, I don't, I don't think I have it in front of me. I think it's on my other computer. Um, historically, guys who are playing well leading up to the Masters 
end up doing really well. Last year, Matsuyama was actually a bit of an exception to that rule. He was playing average golf at best heading leading up to the Masters, but generally that's the rule. Um, and I read a study on datagolf.com, which examined all of golfers' rounds leading up to the Masters, dating back to the 1997 winner. Um, and their conclusion that was based on uh, peaking at the right time and general talent, their, their prediction is that Justin Thomas... Uh, is the most likely, statistically, to win the Masters this year. Interesting. So those are my five keys. If you just want to handicap the event yourself, if you have to pick from a pool of golfers, look at those five key stats, and I think you're going to be on the right track. Obviously, these are all just predictions. Sports happen for a reason. Literally anything could happen. But I think if you follow those five key things, like I said, you're going to be on the right track. All right, I'm going to take a look here at my best bets. I did break these down on the bet side of stream today if you watched it with uh, Cody, but I will go through them uh, once again. Missed cut, top 20, top 10, top 5, and winner. My my bet to miss the cut at the Masters this year is Webb Simpson. I got him at plus 155 to miss the cut. Generally, uh, bets for on guys to miss the cut are hard to predict at the Masters because it's a smaller field than general than usual, and a good portion of the field is made up from with amateurs and past winners and old geezers. Uh, Sandy Lyle is not going to make the cut, so already there's one spot in the field that guys don't need to worry about. Uh, other old guys, Mike Weir, shout out to the only Canadian to ever win a major, not going to make the cut. So, guys who are actually recognizable, who, are, who have plus money to miss the cut, it's going to be hard for them to miss the cut, but I think Webb Simpson might be the one that we want to target here. He's only competed four times in the calendar year of 2020, might be due to an injury, I'm not completely positive, but in those four starts, he went T61 at Sony's, missed the cut of the players, T48 of Valspar, and then they went 1-2 and two at the match play tournament and didn't advance to the bracket stage. So I'm going to take Webb Simpson to miss the cut at plus 155. For top 20, I'm going Max Homa plus 225 here. I still think people are looking at Max Homa like he's an average golfer who is sometimes in contention on Sunday, but he's really not that guy anymore. He used to be, but people need to start respecting Max Homa. Put some respect on Max Homa's name. 24th and total strokes gained this season. He really has no glaring weaknesses. He ranks just outside the top 100 in strokes gained around the green. But everything else he ranks basically in the top 50. Last five starts, Max Homa's gone T14, T10, T17, T13. Uh, he didn't advance in match play, but match play's obviously a different format. I can kind of forgive him for that. So his last four starts and stroke play events, top 20s in all of them. He's also had a ton of success at Riviera. We all know that. He went 10th place in 2019, or in 2020, or 2019, whatever year it was. He won it last year, and then he finished, I think, 5th place this year. Uh, but And a, a lot of people who are in the know in golf say that Riviera is the course that most clo closely resembles Augusta National, and Max Homa always does well there. So him for him to finish in the top 20, plus 225, like that bet quite a bit. Top 10, going to back my guy Will Zalatoris here. Uh, me and him are obviously best friends after I interviewed him last week, not really. Um, but he is a guy who literally ranks first on the tour and strokes gain T to green. The best, one of the best ball strikers on tour. His putting is what keeps me from betting on him top five or to win. 
He ranks like 170th or something in strokes game putting, especially on short putts. Hasn't looked good in like three to five footers. It's going to be hard to win at the Masters with that kind of putting, but his ball striking alone is good enough, I think, for him to be in contention. I'll take him to finish in the top 10 at plus 250. Top five. I'm betting on this guy to finish in the top five as a little insurance, but I'm also betting on this guy to win. That is Matt Fitzpatrick, 9-1, to one, top five, 50 to 50-1 to win. This is a guy who, when I said the three key areas earlier and three key statistics, strokes gained, tee to green, par five scoring, round three scoring, Matt Fitzpatrick ranks in the top 10 in all of those. He ranks first on the tour in total strokes gained. Literally. First on the entire tour in total strokes gained. That means that statistically, from a strokes gained perspective, He has actually been the best golfer so far this season. I know, obviously, he doesn't have the wins like like the Scotty Schefflers or the Cameron Smiths. um, But statistically, from a strokes gain perspective, he's in first. Fourth in scoring average. Fifth in strokes gain tee to green. Twentieth in strokes gain putting. But yet he's 50-1 to to win. If you want to hear, like, my best value bet... It is by far Matt Fitzpatrick this weekend. By far. And his last six starts in stroke play events, he finished 12th or better. The only one he didn't um, was in uh, was at the Masters. He missed the cut. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's in his last six of his last seven stroke play events. He finished 12th or better. The only one he didn't was the players where he missed the cut, but he got screwed by the weather. Obviously, if you remember, that was a crazy weather weekend. Guys who teed off, what was it, late? Supposed to tee off late Thursday, early Friday. Those guys got completely screwed by the weather. He was one of those guys, so I, I'm not going to put too much stock behind that. Matt Fitzpatrick this weekend, guys. You can't pass up on him. I will say... To play his devil's advocate, the one glaring weakness that he has is that he hasn't historically performed very well at Augusta. He finished 7th back in 2016, and since then he hasn't finished better than like 25th or something, I think. But this is the best season he's had on tour so far, statistically. So top 5, Matt Fitzpatrick, plus 900. Also betting on him to win at 50-1. to And then my other two winners, number 1 is Justin Thomas. I got him at 14-1. to Um... Once again, I said it earlier, there are two guys who ranked in the top 10 in the three key stats I laid out. Matt Fitzpatrick was one, Justin Thomas was the other. I think he's trending in the right direction, the advanced analytics say, but this is going to be a good weekend for him. I think he holds the best value amongst all the top names. He's finished sixth or better. In five is ten starts a season. He's another guy that got a poor draw at the Players' Championship. Justin Thomas. And then finally, my last outright pick is, of course, if you've been following me for a while now, you know this name. You know I'm going to say it. Xander Shoffley. 22-1. It is my yearly tradition to bet on Xander Shoffley at the Masters. It has to be. He's already broken my heart twice. Why not make it three times? Second in 2019. Made a late charge against Hideki Matsuyama last year before putting it in the water on 16 to finish T3. Sure, he's, not, he's probably not playing his best golf of the season, to be fair. But he's not playing bad. 13th in strokes gained T to green, and he's showing that he knows how to play at Augusta. He's played well almost every year that he's played there. 22-1, to 1, I think is kind of a under-the-radar kind of guy that not many people are thinking of. 
this year. So Xander Shoffley, 22-1, rounds out my outright picks. Uh, now I'm going to list some dark horse guys. These are guys who you might want to bet on top 20. You might want to, you know, if you, if you want a, a long shot guy to win, yeah, sprinkle. Or if you're looking for a cheap DFS play, one of these guys. First one is Siwoo Kim. He's 90-1 to to win. This is a guy who has always played well at the Masters. I think he's made the cut almost every single year. He finished teeth, uh, what was it, teeth? He finished 12th last year. Um, he's near the top of the leaderboard heading into the weekend. A 74 on Saturday led him to finish finishing 12th. If you remember last year, he broke his putter like halfway through one of his rounds and then had to finish putting with a three-wood. It was hilarious. He's actually been playing pretty well this year. And he's coming off a T13 at the Valero Texas Open, so he's in good form. Obviously, his biggest question mark is his putting, but if he can dial in his putting, check out Siwoo Kim. I actually put him, I actually did a, f- a first round leader bet on Siwoo Kim at, I want to say 60 to 1, maybe, 65 to 1. I sprinkled a little of him on first round leader. So Siwoo Kim, good dark horse. I already talked about Max Homa. He was the other one. The third one is Luke List. Uh, I mentioned it before. Eight of the last ten winners at Augusta ranked in the top ten in ten, uh, strokes gained tee to green heading into Masters week. Luke List ranks third on that on tour in that statistic heading into this week, and he's 125 to 1. But I will say he's not played well recently. He had a very strong start to the season. He's faded in recent starts, which is probably why his odds are as low as they are. But if you're looking for a long shot bet, he's 8th on the tour in strokes gained tee to green. Hard to argue with that at 125-1. to Will Zalatoris was 120-1 to last year when he came second. So, little dark horse, maybe a DFS play for you. The other one is Brian Harmon, and this is one that uh, Brian Kirshner brought up in the interview. Lefty golfer. Uh, Augusta plays well for lefties. He finished 12th here last year. Hasn't been great so far this year, but if you're just talking about course knowledge, course history, uh, lefties lefties always play well here. Got to kind of like Brian Harmon there. He's a bit of a long shot too. Maybe a top 20 bet. Maybe a cheap play on on DFS. Now a few guys I'm going to fade. I tweeted out two of their names today, and there is a fourth or third one, uh, but I feel a little bit bad about it. But Jordan Spieth. There's two I tweeted today said, I'm begging you not to bet on these two guys. One of them is Jordan Spieth. I don't know how he is 18-1 to to win the Masters. I know he's won it before. He's historically played well at this event. But he's done nothing this season that hints at him winning this week. He only has one top 10 finish all season. Uh, He finished second at Pebble Beach. Other than that, he's not had any other top 10 finish. His statistics are subpar, really. 48th in strokes gained off the tee. And what was Jordan Spieth known for during his peak? His short game. Specifically, his putting. Heading into this week, Jordan Spieth ranks 180th. 180 in strokes gained putting. Stay away from Jordan Spieth. Fade him, if anything. 18-1 to is one of the worst-priced golfers I've seen to win the Masters in my life. Another golfer I'd stay away from is Bryson DeChambeau, 40 to 1. Might be a little bit tempting at his price, but I would still stay away. Obviously, he was hurt uh, ever since the, what was it, first week of February. Made his comeback at WGC, looked bad, couldn't even beat Dick Bland in a match, finished 1 and 2, did not advance. And then last week at the Valero Texas Open, in what was an overall weak field, he should have competed for sure. 
he missed the cut. And that missed cut included an ugly, ugly, ugly 76 on Friday. And to top all that off, he's never performed well at the Masters. His best finish at the Masters is a T21 back in 2016. Betting on him to win at 40-1 to 1 this week is a huge waste of money. Do not bet on him. And the last name I'll say that you should either fade or not bet on is Hideki Matsuyama. I feel bad. Matsuyama's already won me an outright pick this season. He's a defending champion. But he has health issues. He withdrew uh, last minute at the WGC match play a couple weeks ago. He withdrew after one round at the Valero Texas Open last week. Augusta National is not a course where you can show up injured and compete. Unless your name's Tiger Woods. You just can't. He's not going to be playing at 100% this week. If he does complete first two rounds, he won't be competing at 100%. Yes, he's the defending champion, but it's hard enough to win without having to worry about a nagging injury. I would either stay away from or fade Hideki Matsuyama. Do you want to talk about betting on Tiger Woods? I've decided... I mean, it looks like he's going to play, Right? I've decided to just stay away. I'm not going to bet on him. I'm not going to bet against him. Back in 2019, uh, there's video evidence of me telling people to not bet on Tiger Woods to save your money. It is a waste of money to bet on Tiger Woods at the Masters this year. And as you know, he went on to win. So I stuck my foot in my mouth, and I promised I would not fade Tiger at the Masters. But also, I can't bet on him either. I think he's going to compete. I actually think he's going to make the cut. But with the injuries... Having to walk four days straight on top of all the walking in the practice rounds. I mean, he almost lost his legs almost a little over a year ago. <laughs> I think he's going to make the cup, but I think he's going to fade down the stretch. I just think it's too hard on the body to play four straight rounds walking the course. I'm going to guess, well, I said in the interview, I, I think he's going to finish like in the mid-40s. Which is still an insane accomplishment. Him competing this week is an insane accomplishment. But from a betting standpoint, I am just going to stay away. I will enjoy watching Tiger as a fan. I don't want any money on him or against him. That's my feelings on Tiger Woods today, or this week. Let's talk a little DFS. Pretty quick, because I've already given you some long shots, some guys to eyes, some cheap, some guys are going to be cheap um, when it comes to DFS. I'm going to give you my DFS lineup. I hope you don't copy it player for player and then join the same DFS pool as I do. Um, but here's what I got. And most of them are guys I've mentioned. Justin Thomas, obviously, for reasons I've already mentioned. Matt Fitzpatrick, for reasons I've already mentioned. Also, Matt Fitzpatrick, only $7,700 on DraftKings. Ooh. What a steal for the guy who's literally first in strokes gained total on the season. Going Will Zalatoris, going with my guy with his strokes gained tee to green statistics. Going Siwoo Kim and Max Homa, as they're both at 7,100. I already talked about them when talking about long shot dark horse picks. The only guy in my lineup who I haven't talked about already is Joaquin Neiman. Ranks in, ranks 8th in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, I was on a media call for CBS Sports last week about the Masters uh, with Jim Nance, Nick Faldo, Dottie Pepper, and a, and a couple like CBS production people. Um, and I asked, I had a whole question written out for like an in-depth question about sports betting. They didn't call on me, but then at the very end, Jim Nance was kind enough to say that anyone who didn't get a question, we were allowed a rapid-fire question. So I pulled an audible, and I just wanted one name from Dottie, 
Jim and Nick Faldo of a guy off the board that no one is talking about that they think of a legitimate shot to win. Dottie must have misheard me because she said Scotty Scheffler. Um, naming the number one golfer in the world is not exactly an off-the-board name that nobody expects to win. <laughs> so I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and assume that she misheard me. Uh, Jim Nance and Tiger Woods, which is certainly not a name nobody's talking about. That might be the name that everyone is talking about. <laughs> Nobody expects him to win, to be fair, so he got that part of the question right. But the only guy who kind of gave me an actual answer uh, was Nick Faldo. Of course, former Masters champion, and he said Joaquin Neiman. He hits the draw well, which is good at the Masters. If you're a lefty, obviously this is why it favors lefties because you can hit a fade. Fade is easier to hit than a draw. But for righties, you have to be able to hit the draw because of a lot of those right-to-left dog leg holes. Joaquin Neiman hits a very good draw. He ranks in the top 10 in strokes gained tee to green. He's being a little bit underrated this time of year. $8,200 on DraftKings. I tossed him in there as my last piece. So Justin Thomas, Will Zalatoris, Joaquin Neiman, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sibu, Kim, Max Homer. That is the perfect Masters DFS lineup. If you copy that lineup, um, do not enter like the $12 single entry one. <laughs> I go cheap on DFS. I've just been dipping my toe into the DFS world this year. So I keep to single entry tournaments and I keep them to pretty cheap. Now I want to go through and talk about golfers I haven't already mentioned because there are a few of them at the top of the leader uh, at the odds board I have not mentioned whatsoever. So I'm just going to go from the shortest odds to the longest and talk about the guys I haven't mentioned. John Rahm, the betting favorite right now, 12-1 to 1 at the offshore book I'm looking at right now. Obviously former number one golfer in the world, U.S. Open winner last year. I'm staying far away from him because John Rahm, and I'm going to bring up the exact numbers here, his short game has been atrocious this year. Obviously good everywhere else. One of the best drivers of the golf ball, one of the best iron players. But where he ranks not only in putting but in his chipping, he is 170th in strokes gained around the green and 136th in strokes gained putting. That's not good. Now, like I said, first in strokes gained off the tee, 12th in strokes gained approach. But his putting and chipping has been terrible. So I don't think he's worth a bet as the shortest odds on the odds list. Cameron Smith, I talked about him in the Brian Kirshner interview. Um, I wouldn't blame anyone who bets on him. It concerns me that he hasn't played since Players' Championship, and that's why I'm um, staying away from him. Scotty Scheffler, good bet. Only two number one golfer who only two golfers who are ranked number one in the world won Masters. Won the Masters. 2005, Tiger Woods did it. And sorry, only two golfers since 2005. I didn't mention that. Tiger Woods did it in 2005. Dustin Johnson did it in delayed tournament in 2020. Scotty Scheffler is very good, no weaknesses. He's not the best at anything though. And I think he's just being a little bit overvalued because of how well he's played lately. But if anyone were, bet, were to bet on Scotty Scheffler, wouldn't argue. Dustin Johnson, I haven't quite seen enough from him this year to convince me to bet on him at the Masters. But another guy that if you decide to take him, wouldn't completely blame you. His play has gotten a little bit better recently as well. Obviously made it to the semifinals in the match play tournament. Former champion. Has a scoring record. Not enough for me to see to bet on him. 
but I wouldn't blame it. Brooks Kepka is an interesting case because obviously there's a stats around about how much better he is at the at, at majors, how much better he um, is when you look like t- like total combined score at majors dating back to 2016. I have a few question marks about Brooks Kepka though. I think that narrative is being a little bit overplayed, and I think because of that, it's being overvalued. And he's kind of inconsistent. I know people say that he's, he's you know he's a ma- he's a majors guy, but he has five missed cuts this season. Very inconsistent results. T sixty seven, T thirty eight, cut, cut. T nine, T twenty eight, cut. T three, cut. T sixteen, cut. T twelve, and then T five at match play. Also, yes, I know he brought in the majors, especially when he was on that streak in what 2016, 2017, 2018, whenever it was. Um. But he couldn't beat Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship. He's actually melted down at majors in recent years. And also, I mean, I'm a big stats guy. I, I got to stick to the stats. Not totally promising this season. 89th in strokes gained total. 100th, 100th on tour in strokes gained tee to green. 76th in putting. 107th in approach. 66, 66th and off the tee. Statistically, he does not deserve to have the odds he has. He only does because of the narrative that he brings it at majors. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not, though. Colin Morikawa has had a little bit of an off year. 18-1. to 1. Wouldn't blame anyone to bet on him. I mean, he's already won two majors. If you want to talk about the narrative that brings it to majors, people should probably talk about Morikawa instead. But his short his chipping has been bad too. 176th in strokes gained around the green. His approach game isn't as good as last year. Last year he was first in strokes gained approaching the green by a mile. It wasn't even close. Like the distance between him and second place was like the same as the distance between like second place and like 15th. But he's 21st in that stat this year. But still, I mean, you look at his numbers. I mean, if you take Morikawa, I'm not going to blame you. Second, T7, T5, T5, T2. Miss a cut of the players, but like I said, we can't really count that fully. T68, Valspar. Not a great Okuma Valspar. Uh, and then T9 in match play. Hey, I wouldn't blame you. I'm going to stay away, though. Just not quite. The, the shipping numbers um, are worrisome, and his approach play hasn't been as good as it was last year. Spieth, I talked about him. Cantley might be a sneaky bet. But his approach play, he's another guy who his approach play hasn't been great this year. I'm sorry for typing right into the microphone here. Um, but yeah, let's look at it. I think he ranks outside the top 100 in approach this season. 146th in approach, uh, strokes gain approach in green. That ain't going to get it done to the Masters. Staying away from Cantley. Rory. Jim Nance talked about in that media, um, that media interview, that media scrum, I guess, virtual scrum. He thinks this might be Roy McIlroy's year because he's coming in under the radar. He's not getting a lot of press. Everyone's focused on Tiger Woods, and right when you don't expect Rory to win is when he wins. So I don't actually hate Rory at twenty to one, but I've fallen to the Rory trap too many times. I personally don't want to fall to the trap again. Wouldn't blame anyone betting on Rory. This might be the time he completes the career Grand Slam. Victor Hovland ranks outside the top 200 
and strokes gained around the green. Can't bet him on him for that. You gotta have good chipping at Augusta. And then we're getting down into some lower names here. Sam Burns, actually don't hate that at 33 to 1. I already like Will. Bryson, I told you to fade. Matsuyama, I told you to fade. Louis Ustazen, I talked about him with Brian. Adam Scott, can't do it. Corey Connors, yes. He's a good bet at 50 to 1. Or not a bad bet at 51. He's always done very well at the Masters. Great ball striker, obviously. His short game's come around a little bit. I was a little bit concerned with how he performed at the Valero Texas Open last week, so I'm going to be looking for a live betting opportunity. If he looks good on Thursday, I think I'm going to place a live bet on Corey Connors. Berger has never performed well at uh, at the Masters. Talked uh, talked about him uh, with Brian. Joaquin Neiman, yes, talked about him with DFS. Fitzpatrick, Lowry, talked about him with Brian. Woods, I said I'm staying away completely. And then we're getting down to really the nitty-gritty. Tyrrell Hatton is one name I would say is an interesting play at 66-1. He is first on tour this year in strokes gained putting. The rest of his numbers are average, but he is right now the best putter on the PGA Tour. So 66-1 for Tyrrell Hatton is a pretty interesting price. Abraham answer I'd stay away from. He's actually been off this year. Paul Casey's not great. Patrick Reed's been bad. Russell or uh, Bubba Watson. He's had success in the past. I wouldn't bet on him to win. Bubba Watson might be an interesting cheap DFS player or top 20 play. Justin Rose, I'd stay away from him. Matthew Wolf is a disaster right now. Sergio Garcia, I'd stay. Yeah, I mean, we're getting down to names where. Uh, you kind of got to stay away from all these guys. I'll give you a few hundred to ones that I'm looking at that might be interesting. Tommy, or not Tommy Fleetwood, Gary Woodland at 100 to one. His game is trending in the right direction. Harold Varner could be an interesting one. He gets a lot of birdies. Um, he is a Masters debut guy, which gives me a little bit of concern. But he's kind of interesting, maybe for a top 20 finish. And Harold Varner, uh, Bobby Mack, 125 to one. He's a lefty. That's kind of interesting. And then that's it. Webb Simpson. I mean, 150 to 1. What a fall. I think that's basically it. Yeah. It goes from guys who can win to guys who have no chance very quickly. <laughs> Shout out Sandy Lyle and Larry Mize still playing. They're taking up the spot of a guy who can actually compete. How old is Sandy Lyle now? Like, is he's, he's just going to be keep playing at the Masters until he dies. Sandy Lyle. Okay, 64. I actually thought he was older than that. Sandy Lyle, 64 years old, still competing at the Masters, which is still way too old. Larry Mize. Is Larry Mize older or younger than Sandy Lyle? Larry Mize is 63. Stop, guys. Stop. <laughs> Bernard Longer to make the cut might be an interesting bet. What are his odds to make the cut? Not listed. Ooh, Tiger Woods to make the cut at plus 120 at Bodog, a.k.a. Bovada, which I just gave away the book I was looking at. I'll put, I'll, I'll, I'll toss a little on that. I saw him around even money most places, and I just said I wasn't going to bet on Tiger Woods, but plus 120 I can't resist. That's a good enough price for me. That's a good enough price for me. Kevin Kisner at 100 to 1 is kind of interesting. Usually have to kind of have some distance in order to do well at Augusta, but that's kind of interesting. There you have it. That's my in-depth take on the Masters. Feel free to send me a DM on Twitter if you have any questions. other questions. I'll try to get back. But we're going to finish this episode off 
with the audio from my interview with Will Zalatoris, who will be competing this week, who was a runner-up last year. You all know who Will Zalatoris is. Got the, got the chance to talk to him for 15 minutes. I talked about um, fans yelling their bets at him, to him gambling with Tony Romo on the rounds together, to um, how his you know, finish from the Masters last year helps him this year. Um, he had a kind of interesting um, anecdote about being paired up with Bernard Langer last year, which was interesting. Um, yeah, so have a little listen to that. And... Uh, yeah, and then I'll be back for a minute, and then we'll, and that'll be it. Hello, everyone. Ian McMillan from BetSided here. I am joined by one of the very best golfers on planet Earth, the 2021 uh, Masters runner-up, Will Zalatoris. Thank you for joining me, Will. Right off the bat, my friend, um, I have to ask you this. I am a sports better, obviously. This is my job. Sports betting has exploded, especially in the sport of golf. I got to know, how annoyed are you of fans during events on Twitter yelling at you about the bets that they have placed on. <laughs> no, I, I actually think it's funny. I mean, I don't really get that deep into the whole Twitter world of, you know, all the betting and whatnot, but I always do get a good laugh at uh, some of the guys saying, Oh, I got my mortgage on you. Zalatoris you're screaming that in the middle of the tournament. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a pretty bad bet to me. I mean, I would put my mortgage on me, but um, but no, I think it's honestly, it's kind of fun. I mean, one of the guys I've played with once, one guy was like, come on, man, I got five grand on you. He goes, oh, so now I'll start trying. I get it. Yeah, okay. seriously. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, no, I think if anything, I, I actually kind of find it pretty funny. Has anyone said like how, like what's the most you've heard someone say that they have, they have on you? Um, I, some people have told me that they won a bunch of money and they're like Calcutta's and whatnot from the masters last year. Um, I think the most I've heard was one guy told me I was signing autographs and this was recent, actually it was some kind of in the last few months said that, uh, his group bought me for 14 grand and won 286,000 off of it. And I was like, I was like, I mean, I know I had a nice paycheck last year, but I mean, come on, man. Like, give me a little cut of that. Like, I kind of heard it. Seriously. No, but it's, uh, no, it was kind of funny. So I, I think it's, it's just, it's part of the game now. And I, if anything, I, I just kind of find it funny when all of a sudden guys are screaming at me, trying to, you know, you're like, come on, man. I got a couple hundred bucks on you. I'm like, don't worry about it. We're not playing for, you know, a million and a half, two million this week or anything. So. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, I've been in sports betting forever, but I feel like just the past couple of years, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to like hear guys on the broadcast yell to golfers that they have money on them. Yeah. Um, speaking of odds, do you ever like take a look at what your odds are ahead of a tournament? Are you ever curious? No, not really. I mean, if anything, I, I found it funny that last year after Augusta, some people were actually mad at me because I, my odds were so low that um low or high however you want to look at it um that they were like well you know now we can't get you at the price we wanted and so if anything i thought that was kind of funny where i'm like well sorry i played good i guess i don't know what to tell you yeah, <laughs> so. yeah i think you're gonna have a i think your odds are gonna be a little bit shorter at this year's masters yeah. uh, compared to last for sure yeah um speaking about your own personal betting i am curious you've talked about this in the past about how you've golf with Tony Romo quite a bit. Please tell me you guys have a little bit of side action when you two golf together. Yeah, just a little. Um, he's a pretty good, uh, he's a bonus. He's just a bonus player. Like, you know, we have our standard game and, you know, I'll give him two to maybe three aside, depending on how he's 
playing. Um, and the part that's hard is we get each side gets two presses and, you know, he might shoot 75 with like five birdies. And the problem with that is that if he birdies his holes that he strokes on, I got no chance. And right. so, um, you know, we did that a lot, especially through that four month layoff with COVID and, you know, coming out to the golf course every single day and carrying my bag and basically having to hit shots that meant something. Um, it kept me fresh. And I honestly credit a lot of that to the run that I made coming off of corn ferry and working my way to the PGA tour was, you know, guys were taking four months off and they're rusty. And if anything, I got back on the corn ferry and it was like, okay, you know, I have nothing to lose now. It's like, you know, and it's something that I've joked about is like, I could have a putt for a top 10 on 18 that could be worth a, a lot of money, but if I've got a putt to lose a couple hundred bucks to a guy like Tony or any of the pros that we play with, like I'm like, it matters. Like I care. Um, and so, you know, not that I don't care on tour, but it's just funny how it's like the fact that he might be taking money out of my pocket really just irks me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Stakes are a lot lower, but, uh, maybe for pride reasons, a little bit higher. Uh, I assume that you, between you two, you, I hope you won more money off him than he's won off you over, over the past couple of years. It, it's probably around even now. Um, he's been getting pretty good over the last couple of years. I mean, he hits more balls than probably 95% of the guys on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's always watching Tiger videos when we're playing, um, you know, and Hogan videos, analyzing his golf swing. And, you know, he loves it. He's just a flat-out golf junkie. Um, but, yeah, that's probably, that's probably around even. Um, I got him pretty good there the first year out because he was – too stubborn to take strokes off me. And then finally I uh, started taking strokes and now he's gotten better. So it's been making the challenge a little bit harder. Uh, let's talk about this year's master's tournament. Obviously you came second place last year. Uh, and that was kind of your big moment for bursting onto the scene. You kind of, you know, became a part of the, the public. eye. really found out who you were last year's masters. Uh, what did you learn from the tournament last year that you can take into it this year? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of the, of the masters is, you know, there's guys that are 25, 26 that can go out and make a run and win it. And there's guys who have played there for 20 years and they can go out and win it like Tiger did in 2019. Um, obviously, Tiger's a different beast, but, you know, I think that's something that relying on the past success that I've had there um, and the general just intricacies of that golf course, you know, having that, you know, some success in the memory bank, um, it really you know, it's stuff that I'll draw back on, especially this year and in the future. Um, you know, I had a, it was just anytime you get to play in your first masters, you know, of course it's a borderline, you know, spiritual experience, but being able to play with Bernard Langer the first two days and see how mm-hmm. he at 60 plus years old attacks that golf course. And he's hitting, you know, seven woods into holes and I'm hitting nine irons in and he's putting them inside. You know, I remember on seven, I hit a nine iron to like, 12 feet and he hit like a seven wood to like eight. And I'm like, this is just unbelievable to watch. And I told him that after we got done on Friday, I was, and I said, you know, I, I mean, I know that obviously you're frustrated. You didn't make the cut, but you're also 60 plus years old. And I mean, just seeing you go around that golf course is, is amazing. And, you know, talking to him after the round of, you know, the stuff that's changed with the golf course and how players have changed. Um, it's, it's just, it was fascinating to me just playing with him, but you know, there's, I think the part that's so cool about Augusta is that, you know, our yardage books that we get on tour, they're pretty much, a lot of the work is done for you. Like you get the, you got the front number, you've got the middle number, you've got layup numbers on par fives to certain spots or drivable par fours. 
Um, you know, the slopes are put into the greens. Obviously, it's been scaled back since the yardage book changes this year. But when you get your Augusta yardage book, it's literally sprinkler head numbers that are front and middle, and then the greens have no slope in them. And so it is totally up to you to go find, you know, the changes in elevation, like on number eight, um, figuring out that, okay, this plays this amount uphill or, you know, this slope right here starts at 13 paces on. Um, and so I think that's something that, um, you know, like I said, I think it's really cool that guys like, um, you know, like Jordan and Michael have picked, you know, Crenshaw and, uh, Carl's brain on the golf course. And it's just cause you basically get a yardage book that is given to you as just a general layout. And then you have to put in all of the information that you've gotten throughout your entire career. Curious. You mentioned yardage books and the changes. How have you kind of felt about the changes to the yardage books this year? Has it caused a big difference? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. Um, you know, I, I think getting rid of the greens books has been awesome because there's even times that when I first came out where, you know, my caddy and I would read a putt and I would just look to the book and it'd say, you know, 1.2% going this way and we know what it is and it loses the art of it. Um, a lot of caddies and players have gone to learn to aim point. Um, and I think that that's something that you're going to see more and more guys go to, but um, especially at Augusta, like there's just so many little intricacies that even, you know, the aim point guys will definitely argue that, oh, you know, we, you know, if you feel it in your feet, this is what it's going to be. But there's just so many little things. Like I remember on, uh, 15 hitting pots in the practice round to the front, it's like front middle left. And it looks like that putt is left edge in reality. You've got to play it like a foot out left. And I made that putt for par one day and I was just like, man, this just, this just shows you just like the, the knowledge that you have to have of this place. Like it is just so important. Um, so I think if anything, it brings the artists back and I'm all for it. And obviously um, Augusta was the only, I think it was the really the only tournament for a while that didn't allow or didn't have greens books. And so it was all relied on either what you feel in your feet, whether you do aim point or no, don't do aim point or just relying on your past history. I think it's great. Uh, as a better, one thing that really excites me this year, IBM uh, part has been partnered with the masters for like 25 years this year. They're in introducing projections with IBM Watson uh, going to create scoring predictions for every player in the field. Uh, what can you tell me about that? I'm a little bit curious about that, especially as a sports better. Yeah. So, you know, IBM Watson, they took 120,000 golf shots over the last six years and, you know, helped create predictions based off of players. I mean, they've even added in uh, the conditions like pin location and wind and weather in general. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. And, you know, for, you know, like last year on Saturday and Sunday, because I was teeing off so late, I actually, you know, I sit there on the app and I'm watching guys, you know, how they're playing certain holes, seeing trends. Um, so, you know, even as a player, you know, being able to use it is great. Um, you know, the part that I think is going to be really good is obviously their fantasy, um, you know, their fantasy matchup that they're doing this year, where you're going to be able to pick a past champion, a rookie, an international player, an American player, and, you know, having these, um, predictions, you know, basically, you know, might help you pick, you know, the 2021 me, for example, where you maybe haven't heard of me, but then you see the predictions and, and see how the course is playing because they took the analysis of like 3 million articles to create insight on the players and, you know, all the shots from the years prior just to see, um, you know, how the 
think how we're going to perform. And so, you know, like I said, for me, it's pretty exciting because, you know, I actually as a player get to use it. So let alone, you know, the average fan, um, that'll help them as well. Have you looked at its predictions for you for the Masters this year? I have. Yeah, I saw it. Um, you know, four rounds under par at Augusta. I'll, I won't complain about that. Obviously, I'll try to do better. So it doesn't have you winning. Uh, I don't know. I saw the scores, but I, I didn't see how that how that adds right. up. So we'll, we'll have to see with. Uh, I don't know if we've got our 10 day weather forecast up yet, but uh, the tougher, the better, if you ask me. I got two really quick uh, questions for you, and then I'll let you go, Will. Uh, first thing, and like I said, I'm a sports better, so I'm going to try to pick your brain as much as possible here. Um, when I'm betting on the PGA Tour, a big thing that I look at is course history. Guys seem to like the same courses year in and year out, and they generally perform well. I know, obviously, you're still early in your career. You haven't kind of run the circuit as many times as, as other people. Are there any courses that you look at on the schedule and you go, I am going to perform well there? That course fits to my style. Yeah, Torrey Pines for sure. Um, I'm not just saying that because of the recency bias of me just barely missing out in the playoff, but you've got to hit it straight. You've got to hit it far. Um, you know, that's the far, the longer the golf course, the better for me, the tougher the golf course, the better for me. Um, so, you know, for me, really the majors or any courses that are kind of like Torrey, um, you know, like Valspar, you've got to hit it good. Um, you know, Honda, you've got to hit it good. Um you know, so that's why for me, whenever I see on the scorecard that we're playing a 7,400 plus yard golf course is typically one that I get pretty excited about. Uh, one last question. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here. You're going to actually switch over to baseball. I know you're a big San Francisco Giants fan. Are they going to be able to repeat their success from last year? Odds makers don't. They're like 25 to one to win the World Series. Odds makers don't believe in them. Do you believe in your Giants? Are they worth a bet? Are they going to be able to do anything this year? I hope so. Um, losing Bryant's a tough one, but throwing in the DH will help. We need some right-handed bats. we got so many left-handers in there right now, but um, something that those guys have done really good is obviously the bullpen. I mean, they've killed it last year, and that's what kept them in it. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be tougher just because, you know, now with, you know, Bryant being up in Colorado and, um, you know, Colorado's on the, is on the rise. The Dodgers are always going to be really good. Um, it's going to be tough, but last year was a pretty good surprise. So I've always got faith in my guys. Well, I'm a big Blue Jays fan, so I'll be rooting for uh, a Jays-Giants World Series this year. That uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, but thank you very much, Will, uh, for joining me. For anyone watching, be sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Will, thanks again. Best of luck uh, at the Masters this year. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Interesting stuff. Like I said, if you want to watch the video version of it, or if you just want to do me a favor, go check it out on the Bet Side of the YouTube channel and like and subscribe it over there. But that is all I have for you, my friends. Best of luck with your Masters bets this week, no matter what you decide to do with them, no matter what pools you decide to enter. Uh, but you should definitely enter the Bet Sided one. <laughs> Good luck. Enjoy the event. It's going to be an electric tournament. Thank you all for listening. Like, subscribe rate the podcast, all that good stuff. I will talk to you all next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.